0: This Pentecost Sunday, um, churches tend to be different, and we can learn lots from what God is doing in other places in the world. And one of the things that is really interesting about our sister church in Adipur is that what what we invest in Christmas, as far as energy and attention, they invest in Pentecost. That's kind of their Church calendar, big deal of the year. Am I right? I'm right. That's good. Which is good because they're a Pentecostal church, so you don't want to let that slip by. Too many times before you have to take the the P out of Adipur. So um, I'll let you figure that one out. And but it's a good it's it's an important reminder for us that uh, the day of Pentecost is and was a hugely important day in the life of the church. In fact, it it is the church's birthday. If Christmas is the Lord's birthday, Pentecost is the church's birthday. That's when we became who we really are, which is a spirit-filled body of disciples of Christ, spreading the kingdom until his return. That's who we are. So today I'm going to... uh, present to you a a message I'm calling Supernatural Normal. And I'm here to uh, teach, advocate, and plead with you to have the mindset that a supernatural life in the Spirit is supposed to be normal. It's the norm for Christians. It's normal. And anything less than that is the exception. Supernatural life following Jesus is the norm. It's God's normal. It's God's adverge. It's, it's, it's his C-plus passing the course. Anything other than that is the exception. Supernatural normal. Amen, Harry? You can be praying for me during this. I borderline threw my voice out yesterday, so... Whatever the Lord empowers today, I'm very grateful for Let's read from Acts chapter 2. And we're going to spend most of our time in chap- verses 37 through 39. But we'll start right at the beginning, and I'll lead you through it as, as I jump over some sections. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived... They were gathered together in one place. They were gathered together in one place. This is the apostles and the disciples. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, which I think is supposed to remind us of Genesis chapter 1, when the Holy Spirit, the Ruach Elohim, the wind of God, was rushing over the unformed universe. And a mighty rushing wind... Like a sound like a mighty rushing wind from heaven was there. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. How many of them? Each one of them. Just put that right there in that part of your heart that wants to be the exception to the rule of having to live a spirit-filled life. And a tongue of fire descended and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. How many were filled? And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. And then as their not-so-quiet prayer meeting spilled out into the streets, people from all over the world who had gathered in Jerusalem for Pentecost, because this was a day when they were commanded to gather together as Jews, they start hearing their, the praises of God preached in their native languages from the other parts of the world, some people think they're drunk. Peter starts a sermon, and he says this. He says this in verse 14. And Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you, and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day, meaning 9 a.m. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Notice Peter turning to the scriptures. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. How much flesh? Thank you. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Has that been happening in your home? And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my male servant, on my female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I'm going to skip down now through to when... Peter starts preaching about Jesus and his resurrection, and he concludes his sermon by saying this, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And now here are our verses. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Father, I thank you for this morning. Father, I thank you that it's part of your way to leave landmarks on our calendar to help us remember. Um, you did it in the Old Testament times and by, by I think, uh, in a way pleasing to you, the Christians have continued doing it in our day, just remembering days of what you have done that help define who we are and build our faith in what, what you're going to do. And Father, my prayer this morning is that your Holy Spirit would be resting over us, building our faith, To walk in the Spirit, to welcome the gifts of the Spirit, to seek the gifts of the Spirit, to grow in the fruit of the Spirit, and to love and worship the Spirit of our God and Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. I welcome you. And I know that the elders welcome you. We together as the people that you have appointed to be responsible and to um, have authority for the good of the church, we welcome you. We say, let your will be done here, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Supernatural normal. Your life is supposed to uh, be well-seasoned with the supernatural by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I want to convince you of this By starting off by saying, you yourself are supernatural if you're a Christian. If you are a Christian, you are already a supernatural work. And I want to start by pointing out from this scripture, um, the Spirit's work as he saved about 3,000 people from Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. He saved them, God did, supernaturally. And if you're a Christian, this has happened to you too. And the first thing I want to say is that if you are a Christian, you're, you're really born again, you have experienced a supernatural conviction. Sometime in your life, the Holy Spirit has convicted you and convinced you that you need Jesus. We see it in this scripture where uh, the Bible says, when they heard this Peter's sermon, they were cut to the heart. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Here's a group of people who, not too long ago, had heard the news that Jesus had been crucified, and they mostly thought to themselves, good. They weren't his disciples, they weren't his followers, they weren't hanging out with the 120 who were in the upper room praying. They would have known about these events. They weren't standing around when Peter was preaching about Jesus going, what are you talking about? They would have heard these things. The ministry of Jesus was famous, and the crucifixion of Jesus was famous. People knew about these things, but they weren't followers. But in this moment, when Peter is preaching, under the power of the Holy Spirit, the people who heard his words were cut to the heart. Speaking of piercing diamond... They were cut to the heart supernaturally. And we shouldn't be surprised that this is... And I want to... Because, you know, somebody could say, well, people get cut to the heart all the time. No, 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 no. Let's go back to John 16 for a second as Jesus is teaching his apostles what the Holy Spirit is going to do. And I'm looking at verse... Second half of verse... 4 here. Jesus said, I did not say these things to you from the beginning, he's speaking on the Holy Spirit, because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me, the Father. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. Speaking of the Holy Spirit. So here's Jesus saying, guys, You're about to go through the crucifixion, you're going to bawl your eyes out, and then I'm going to ascend to heaven, and you're going to be tempted to think that life is worse than it was for those three years, or however long it was, when we had Jesus, and this is depressing, and this is sad, and this is no good. And Jesus, with his own mouth, is telling them, no, 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 don't think it would be better in this life if Jesus were here... He says, it's to your advantage that I go away, because if I don't go, I can't receive the Holy Spirit from my Father and then turn around and give Him to you. And it is to your advantage, it is better for you to have the Holy Spirit than to have Jesus in the body, walking around on earth, but not have the Holy Spirit. Is this your conviction as a Christian? Okay, It will be better when Christ come back, and we have both. Amen? When the resurrection of Jesus comes back, that's going to be awesome, and we'll have the Spirit, and we'll have Christ, and He's going to wipe out sin, and that's the best. But for this life now, it is better to have the Spirit poured out than to have the ongoing Galilean ministry. Do, Do you believe that? And the reason it's better is for your sake. For what can happen in you, and through you, Calvary Chapel. And he goes on to say... If I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And he goes on there from there to explain to it. But this is what he says. The ministry of the Spirit, when he comes, he's going to convict the world of stuff. He's going to convict the world of sin. He's going to convict the world of righteousness. He's going to convict the world of impending judgment. It's a supernatural ministry of the Holy Spirit because naturally people do not respond to Jesus. Ever. In the flesh, people do not respond in faith to Jesus. Ever. Romans 8. Ever. 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 Okay, and I'm, I'm hitting this nail a few times because I'm about to make a point. So here is Jesus saying when the Spirit comes, the Spirit is going to supernaturally convince people of their sin and God's righteousness and the impending judgment and their need to do something about it. And then, just a few chapters later, though in a different book, we have a group of people hearing a message on Jesus, a group of people who did not respond before, a group of people hearing the message of Jesus, and when Peter's done, Jesus is the Christ. Kaboom! They are cut by the sword of the Spirit, pierced in the heart, turning around saying, what do we do? Because they believe that they have sinned. Oh my goodness, we killed the Messiah! Is there any hope for us? Do you see, do you see what I'm saying here? I'm just saying that this group of Christians on Pentecost Sunday... Must, be, must have been a Sunday. Maybe it didn't. Whatever it was. This group of people who were becoming Christians were pierced in the heart. They were cut Their resistance was smashed. Their mental strongholds were torn down supernaturally by the Spirit on the birthday of the church. So, what I'm saying to you is that if you have been convinced of your sin, if you have been convinced of the righteousness of Christ, if you have been convinced that something needs to happen so that you can escape the impending wrath of God, the Holy Spirit did that supernaturally, which means that you're a supernatural work, so that the supernatural is normal for you. Are you tracking with me? Okay. I also want to say that if you have faith in Jesus... This is a supernatural act of the Spirit, which means that you are a supernatural being. Let's go back to John for a second again. John, who's particularly interested in revealing to us Jesus' thoughts about the Holy Spirit and heavenly realities. He's having this nighttime meeting with a leader of the Jewish people named Nicodemus, you know this one. Nicodemus is coming to Jesus saying, I can see from what's happening here that you're somebody special. And Jesus, probably interpreting the fact that Nicodemus is doing this secretly, is is saying, you may have seen something, but you haven't actually seen what you need to see yet. So Nicodemus comes up and says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. That was verse 2. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now you can see Jesus, you can go to church, you can see laughing, you can see singing, you can hear the music, you can hear the words. But to actually see that this is the kingdom of God on earth and that Jesus is doing something in this midst to actually see this as something important that you need to respond to cannot happen unless someone is born again. And because this doctrine of needing God to make you be able to see is so offensive to human pride, Jesus starts off His teaching by saying, Truly, truly, I say to you. So you can either think Jesus is lying or deceived, and then why would we worship Him? Or we can receive Jesus' teaching. If you see the kingdom, it's because you're born again. And Nicodemus is really confused. He's thinking that, you know, he, he's got to go back inside of a woman and be born again. This is really bizarre. And that is bizarre. Nicodemus, why would your brain go there? But what does Jesus talk about as he is explaining being born again? Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of Spirit is Spirit. Do not marvel, I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows, or the Spirit blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Being born again means being born of the Spirit. And the result is is that you see the kingdom of God and you say, I need that. I want that. That's attractive. That's desirable. That's beautiful. I want Jesus. I want to be a part of this kingdom. And if that's you... It's a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit of God, which makes you supernatural. Not that you have a superpower like some DC comic book character or Marvel. Because even if they can run really fast and shoot laser beams from their eyes, they can die, which you can't. Your Christian, supernatural, every day of your life because the Spirit convinced you that you need Jesus and the Spirit convinced you to come to Him and made you a new thing by giving you a rebirth. So is the supernatural realm something bizarre and strange and foreign? Or is it normal? That's what I'm trying to drive towards you here. Is, is it normal for a Christian to have a supernatural experience? Yes. Yes, I see some slight head nodding over here, and it, maybe you just have a little sore neck that you're exercising, but every day of your Christian life is supernatural because you were born again. Maybe you won't hear about this on Oprah. If she even has a show anymore. Sorry, born in the 80s. This is why it's so important to be in the Word, hearing the Word. You will not hear this anywhere else. You will not hear this anywhere else. You know what the solution to your, to your problem is? You just need to get born again and be a supernatural being every day of the rest of your life. Says Dr. Phil, never are you tracking with me here I'm repeating myself here because speaking of diamonds sometimes diamond hearts are a big deal sometimes diamond brains are a worse deal where you're pounding trying to get truths into your brain that will be there tomorrow morning you are born again Christian in the supernatural life every day is supernatural. Every day. Every day you wake up and God is your Father, that's a miracle. That's right. That's right. Ongoing. Sometimes when we say the word miracle, it, we, we kind of define it as something special that happens once or every once in a while. Is that how manna worked? Do you remember the story of manna from Exodus. Where every day, except for one day a week, when God wanted people to rest, there was free food everywhere. Enough for hundreds of thousands of people. You didn't even need a buffet. It was like right there. you just like, you're stepping on it. Every day, miracle, miracle, miracle. They were sick of the miracle. Ah, oh, some more manna. Why? Why can't we just have some sausage, links, and bacon? Thanks for saying buffet over there. You, I, and I don't even say this a little bit to stroke any kind of ego. This is profoundly humbling. You are a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit of God through Jesus Christ, His cross, and His blood for the glory of God the Father. Like, wh- amen. So then, that being the case, supernaturally convicted of our need for Jesus, supernaturally brought to faith, seeing the kingdom and, his, and its king. We have a supernatural life. We're called to have a supernatural life. Listen to what Peter says when they say, What shall we do in the midst of their conviction? Brothers, what shall we do? Peter says to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Spirit. Do you see everything he's doing here? You've been convicted. This is wonderful. Best day of your life. You finally feel horrible about your sin. This is great. the, the, The kingdom of heaven is upside down. You finally feel like you just want to vomit all day long because of how horrible you are. Wonderful! Now turn to Jesus. See the connection there? You're being born again. Look to the king of the kingdom. Turn to him. Get your forgiveness. This is great. And... As you're baptized and receive Jesus and are forgiven, there's the internal of looking to Jesus and the external of being baptized to show everybody that you have turned to Him in faith. You will receive the Holy Spirit. Because this is a Pentecostal church. That's the implied thing, right? Like, you receive the Holy Spirit because you're at a charismatic church. No, this is the church. The church turns to Jesus, is forgiven, and receives the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So again, I'm I'm just I'm hammering one point. Can I can I just hammer a point today? You can say that was a bit of a he didn't actually go anywhere. It was kind of like marching in place. Yeah, that's right. I want to smash these dandelions into oblivion. You have a supernatural life characterized by the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's the gift of promise. How is it a gift of promise? Okay, so I, I just, if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's a promise. Okay, in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says this again positively. He says, Excuse me, I want to be in my Bible. This is the most important thing we're doing today. Is opening this book. You may not have noticed it. Most important part of our worship service is that we open the Bible. I'm let that sit with you. Paul says this In him, in Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed. With the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. The Spirit of promise, the gift of the Spirit of promise, it was promised to be given, and as it comes, it is a promise to us. If you have the Spirit, you will one day inherit all things with Christ. That's what Paul is talking about here. You get the Spirit. So you come to Jesus and you're like, okay, I've given my life to Jesus. Is this for real? Am I really saved? Does anybody ever struggle with that? Part of the answer that the Bible gives is do you have the Spirit? Because if you have the spirit, it, it's the engagement ring of Jesus returning to marry you and you'll be his bride. It's, um, it's called an arabone in Greek, but I think it's a loan word. Never mind. And uh, it means it's a deposit. It's a large quantity of money with the promise saying you're going to come back and pay the rest of the money so you can drive that car away debt-free. So when God puts the Spirit on somebody, He's saying, you're mine, and Jesus is going to come back to get you. And when He does that, everything is going to be partly yours. That's part of the promise of the Spirit. That's why He comes when you turn to Jesus and are baptized and believe. He comes to say, this is the real deal. He seals you with the promise we don't always use we don't have seals in life tons nowadays um, unless you have some kind of perishable drink and they say if the seal is broken don't drink this but there is some truth in there because they're saying if the seal is broken it could be that some crazy maniac has tampered with this drink and it's no longer a legit drink don't drink it it's not the real deal there's no seal But if the seal is there and it's intact, we stand behind this drink, you should drink it. That's what the company's saying. If the seal is broken, don't drink it. We can't vouch for it. It's not the real deal. There might be a small mouse in there. Just leave it alone. (laughs) But if the seal is intact, we vouch for it. This is our product. It will do you good. Thank you, PepsiCo. (laughs) And if you're sealed with the spirit, it's God's way of saying, this transaction is for real, I own you, and this is a good deal, you're in Christ. Okay, and so this is our life, in the Spirit, enjoying the fact that Jesus is coming back for us, experiencing the Spirit every time you speak in tongues, knowing that part of you speaking in tongues means that you belong to God. That's one of the reasons I love speaking in tongues. I have no idea what I'm saying. But I do know while I'm doing it, I'm doing it because the Father owns me. Not everybody speaks in tongues. But that's part of my experience of it. It's like, you start speaking in tongues, it's like, I belong to Jesus. That's that's the root message of it. I belong to Jesus. That's why this is happening. And Paul says it negatively, so that's the positive sense. If you have the Spirit, you belong to God. It's a promise. But in Romans, he says, if you don't have the Spirit, you don't belong to Christ. This is Romans 8 verse 9 you however are not in the flesh but in the spirit if in fact the spirit of god dwells in you he's trying to contrast two utterly incompatible ways of living either in the flesh on your own depending on the law by itself whether it's the jewish law or any other law Or, life in the Spirit, through faith in Christ, having received the Spirit, having the life of God in you. Two different, totally incompatible ways of living and existing. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. Boom! But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. So this is part of this supernatural life. Okay, what are you saying, Rob? You're confusing me. Well, I'm halfway there myself. Why don't we bring this all together What I'm saying to you is that the life of the Spirit is important to God and to you because your life in the Spirit, having this supernatural walk, is a daily reminder that you belong to Christ and that your salvation is real and that at your death or Christ's return, you will go to be with Jesus for praise and glory and fellowship and not the other thing. And I want to say that the gift of the Spirit and the supernaturally normal life is for the spread of the kingdom. Okay, so it's for you and your confidence, encouragement, and comfort, and it's for the spread of the kingdom. What does Peter tell the people on the day of Pentecost about the gift of the Holy Spirit? He says, this promise is for you. That's what we just talked about and for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So he's saying the gift of the Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ is meant to spread generationally and geographically. You catching with me here? So as soon as these people are getting saved as as, like in the same what do we do speech, he's saying missions. Missions. Turn to Jesus, get your sins forgiven, get baptized, receive the Holy Spirit who is for your children and the ends of the earth. Amen? Amen? Now sometimes people do things that aren't always wise. Have you noticed that? Not around here, of course, but other people in other places. And sometimes people can pit a church full of the Holy Spirit against spirit-filled outreach and evangelism. And we can say, too much time in the church, not enough time in the community, or vice versa. You don't hear that that often. And I want to invite you to never, ever, 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 ever do that again. Amen? Because the scripture never does. He never says that life happening here together in the gathered local church full of the Spirit looking to Jesus is ever going to cut against outreach. If it's happening well, if it's happening badly and we're ruining it, yes, but guys, anything can get ruined. And almost everything does eventually or in one way or another. That's, that's us. That's people. We wreck things. But... It's very difficult to be in the kind of place where you're reaching out to your neighbors and don't want to bring them to your church because it's dead. I've been there. Not here, but I've been there. It's not fun. Let's come together around the scripture and realize that... On the birthday of the church, the birthday of the outpoured spirit, it was all about people getting saved and forming a big local church in Jerusalem while preaching about the spread of the kingdom through the generations and geographically throughout the earth. Okay? Which should be encouraging to us. This promise is for your children. This promise is for your children. Peter said that. He said that. This promise is for your children. That they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. I really, I've been enjoying the scripture this week. Because, you know, we've been talking about m- missions the last few weeks. Has anybody been here? You realize there was a theme? I told you there was a theme. I hope you realized there was a theme, because I said it a few times. And, um... And one of the things we come down, remember like the end of Matthew, go into all the world and make disciples. That is a great way of thinking about world missions. The other way, if that one doesn't float your boat, here's something that can keep you above the waterline. The other way of thinking of missions is that world missions is all about getting people filled with the Spirit. World missions is all about the spread of the ministry of the Spirit to people. And if you want the Spirit, you have to go through Jesus. Because apart from His cleansing blood, we are not holy. And when holiness and unholiness mix, the unholiness loses. Just ask Ananias and Sapphira how that can go down. Amen? But if you, if you, if you don't get floated by the discipleship-making part, you can get floated by the spreading the Spirit part. And that might work for us in North America because we're kind of anti, we call it organized religion, though I, I have rarely actually seen organized religion. It's mostly disorganized religion, but God keeps us moving in the right direction. If you've liked that more than the other thing. People don't like that stuff, but they are actually quite open to talking about spiritual matters that could be a way in have you ever heard of the holy spirit let me describe what he does do you want some of that in your life that sounds pretty good you know the only person who can give that to you is the lord jesus christ and this is how he gives it have you thought about that before this is what peter's saying world missions is all about the children and everybody else far off getting the promised holy spirit He's not just an add-on. He's not just a quirk for some churchy types who like to shake, rattle, and roll. The mission of Jesus was to die and be resurrected and go to heaven so that he could send the promised spirit from the Father onto this earth and make a spirit-filled world. Something to think about. One of the things I've been thinking about is with this whole idea of like, ah, do we have to be so spirit-filled at church? Won't we just become self-absorbed? Uh, the Pentecostal church, the, the denomination, that it started about 110 years ago. I think it was in 1906. Uh, African-American preacher in on Azusa Street in California. That's where it started, 110 years ago. There are... 290 million Pentecostal Christians around the world in 100 years. And I was doing the math because I flew to Rwanda to go to the 75-year anniversary of the Pentecostal church in Rwanda. And so if you take the 110 and you minus off the 75, you're left with 35, right? So 35 years after the Pentecostal movement started, it had moved from California to Rwanda, in 35 years, in, in a lifetime, in a short lifetime. And so for me, I'm just thinking, maybe this Pentecost gig is actually quite missional. If in 110 years, there's almost 300 million Pentecostal Christians, and I don't think that even includes the charismatic types, which is what happened when the Spirit moved into denominations, then they didn't leave their denomination to form a new church, they just stayed in their church, doing the gifts of the Spirit thing. Maybe it is quite missional. Amen? Amen? Okay, so let me drive this home for you. Two ways that you can walk out this reality that you are a supernatural being for whom a supernatural life should be normal. Two ways. Ready? This is easy. One for each hand. You can write one on one hand, write one on the other hand, on your Palm Pilot, whichever way you want to do it. Number one, welcome the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's number one. And I think that's the most important one. If it's true that his ministry is to come to correct for health, to convince for salvation, we should love him for that. We should love him for that. Um, The other day, our dog, uh, Amiga, who weighs about three pounds, was out for a walk and jumped sideways sporadically and hurt her foot. And we weren't quite sure how bad it was. Unfortunately, we were having a block party and a veterinarian was there. So he picked her up and he's probing and he's squeezing her foot and she's kind of doing this snarly biting thing at him. And... um, And she was diagnosed with uh, a really bad case of drama. (laughs) Because nothing was wrong with her. But she's like walking around for three days not using that foot. And he just said, you know what? Small dogs don't actually need all their feet because they're so light. That they don't need all feet on the ground. So they, if they just don't like a foot, they just won't use a foot for a week or something like that. So it's like just drama. Just it's just drama. She's like, my dog's biting me because it's. Dr-. Yeah, that happens. But it's just, we we love when something's going wrong. We love vets for our pets. We love doctors for our wounds. We want somebody to come and squeeze the part that hurts and tell us how bad it is and what we can do about it. Amen. And that's the Holy Spirit's job, to come and squeeze us so that we can find out what's going wrong and then turn to Jesus for him to do something about it. Amen? We need to love him for this. He's the only one who actually knows what's going on in our souls. The Spirit of God searches all things, even the depths of God. He knows you. He lives inside of you. And so we need to love him for his squeezings and not rage against him when he squeezes something he wants to bring healing to. We need to love him for it. And he does take his job seriously. He loves his church, and he, he really does not like hypocrisy, showmanship, and faking it. And this is the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And I talked about this before. If you don't know it, there are a couple of Christians in this early church, and there was this thing going on where people were kind of selling property and bringing it to the apostles, and that money was getting distributed to the poor. And Ananias and Sapphira wanted to look good at church and to also keep some of the money. They wanted to have their cake and eat it too. They wanted to posture and pose and present. And the Holy Spirit came, and they were both... Dead. Because it's so important to Holy Spirit for truth, vulnerability, honesty, integrity, admitting what's real, being convicted. It's so important to him that the first time somebody did try to do a major misrepresentation of their spiritual life, he said, game over they and i I can only imagine that as they were working on this scheme the holy spirit was going what are you guys doing what do you guys think you're doing why are you doing this why are you presenting yourselves as leaders of the church a a model to follow but your your finances towards the church there's there's hiddenness and lies in there why do you why, why are you doing that and they push, just keep, no, this will be okay, this will be fine, this will be important. You know, you can get, Ananias, if we do this, you can get voted in to be a deacon, and then you can find your way into the twelve apostles, and then we can really stir, stir this church in the right direction, because those, 12, those eleven plus one, they're really kind of messing it up a little bit. They're not carpeting the carpets with the color that we think is, aren't important. And so, we can manage this. Will you welcome the conviction of the Holy Spirit? And it's just so simple. It's just saying, Holy Spirit, would you show me anything about myself you want me to see, anything that's getting in the way of my life in you? You can do that today while we sing. And he loves you, and he's good intention towards you. He he was the supernatural obstetrician that delivered you into this world, a supernatural being by his choice. He blows where he wants to blow. And the second thing we can do is seek his gifts. Now you're nervous. We can seek his gifts. Prophecy, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues, administration, service, and those other ones that aren't quite as showy but are just as spiritual. We can seek him for his gifts. And the issue isn't about us. The issue is about service in the church and service in the world. Because the spirit is a gift that's meant to go from generation to generation and everywhere in the planet. So we can seek him for his gifts. And we often do need to seek him. Um, I'm impressed at how much energy people will put into seeking things sometimes. Anybody here got a degree? Wave your hand. Okay. That only took you like, what, one night? And when it got difficult, you quit, right? No, two years, three years, four years. But when it comes to seeking the Spirit, I come up here, I put my hands out, didn't feel anything, must not be for me. Even though the Word of God says in 1 Corinthians, seek the greater gifts, seek them seek them seek them amen so we're called to seek the gifts for other people's good there's two ways for making the holy spirit all about yourself number 1 you can just be like in front of everybody isn't this great isn't this wonderful aren't I aren't I special and the other thing is to say oh, i don't want to do it, it might be embarrassing it might be strange i might feel uncomfortable seek the gifts Father, I just thank you so much. The reality is, is that we are supernatural people. Father, I just uh, I'm so grateful for what a short lease you have on me, me on. I'm so grateful for your call to move supernaturally. I pray you'd move amongst us.